By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Have you seen the slash? Made by users for users. Engineered for flavor. One of the coolest features around. A built-in loading tool. Learn more at www.stonesmiths.ca. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Always like to catch up with my good friend David Wiley from the OZ. You can see that beautiful shot on the website, okanaganz.com. They've got uh, the digital magazine, uh, the newsletter that comes out every Friday, and the uh, print magazine that is uh, on uh, in some can I was going to say on newsstands, but in some cannabis stores uh, in the uh, Edmonton area as well. Welcome back, David. I missed you last week. You you left me um, solo ranting like an old man, like uh, Grandpa Simpson from The Simpsons at uh, Joe Biden. So I'm glad you're back to help me out this week. How are things? Things are good. I I saw that rant and I quite enjoyed it. Uh, you know, a hundred percent agree with what you were saying about Joe Biden and uh, the the flip-flop that seems to be taking place right now on cannabis in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I, and I just think, listen, um, am I glad that Joe Biden is the president of the United States, even though I'm a Canadian? Yes. Am I glad he replaced Donald Trump? Yes. But that doesn't cut him any slack uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, turning that country back around uh, to being respectable. And you can't flip-flop on stuff like this. When you, when you told the people that this was, you were going to be this and you were going to be cannabis friendly, and then this happens... It's you have to hold that guy to the same accountability that we tried to hold uh, Donald Trump as as the the world public uh, tried to do. So I, I really think it's important to have that continuity. And, and that's why I like that we're talking about this uh, story again. And this is a story that uh, came off the CNN website and and, and they 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 nailed in the headline like his stance on marijuana is 10 years behind the curve. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were hoping for the best with Joe Biden. Um, We knew that the new president's past actions uh, propagated the war on drugs. Um, We knew that uh, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris had been criticized for her own actions as a prosecutor when she was overseeing almost 2,000 cannabis-related convictions in San Francisco. But still, hey, we're an optimistic bunch. And, uh, you know, that's a good quality. We hope that progressive minds would prevail once the Democrats were in power. Um, But so far, there has been a lot of disappointment from the pro-cannabis camp. And uh, some media are starting to call them out on it. CNN's headline, as you alluded to, said that their stance on cannabis is 10 years behind the curve. And that was evidenced earlier this month, as you talked about last week, when five members of the Biden administration were turfed at least in part for admitting to past cannabis use. Uh, it was surprising. And some even wondered about Kamala Harris's own past use. What does that mean for her if they're getting rid of employees uh, at the White House for their own use? So 
now we're seeing that a large majority of Americans are in favor of legalization. A Gallup poll shows that 68% in fact favor legalizing recreational use federally. That's the highest ever re recorded by Gallup. Other polls have shown similar results. Um, Biden, however, has wanted to see decriminalization as his solution and sort of a continued patchwork uh, quilt of cannabis regulations from state to state. Uh, you know, as CNN says, it's almost as if the president doesn't recognize the astounding increase in support for cannabis legalizations over the past two decades. In 2010, legalization was minority position with only 46% of Americans for it, 50% against it. Uh, going back to 2000, it was a mere 31% who were in favor of legalization. Uh, when Biden first became a senator in 1973, going way back now, 16% favored it. So there's really been a, a, a long march toward uh, favor for cannabis. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting that CNN noted that few other issues have seen such a dramatic shift in such a short period of time. And one of them is same-sex marriage. And while the public shift in opinion on same-sex marriage coincided with a lot more politicians who were publicly stating their support for it, the same can't be said about weed. Um, and as we've seen here in Canada, supporting cannabis certainly didn't spell the end of support for the Liberal Party uh, after legalization here. In fact, the, the policy of legalizing cannabis is credited in part with the election of that government in the first place. So it, it seems to me that Biden and his administration are only hurting themselves right now uh, with their actions on cannabis. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like by by kind of these standards, Barack Obama should have been fired uh, from the White House because, as he famously said, "I inhaled." That was the point. I mean, the last not the last president, but the last Democratic president admitted to his past pot use, and now they're firing people. It's just so bloody ridiculous. And it's it's funny when you look at that 2020 election. Four different states that had ballot measures for legalizing recreational marijuana, every single one of them passed. And in racially diverse blue states like New Jersey, racially diverse purple states like Arizona, and a much whiter red state like Montana and South Dakota, they all passed. How is Joe Biden not seeing this? That's CNN said it's hard to imagine that Biden would be hurt. Uh, by moving a stance from decriminalizing to legalizing. And uh, the, you know, the news organization says he may even pick up some voters. And I agree with that. Right now, uh, being progressive on cannabis is on vogue. And it's something that, uh, that parties across the world should be looking at very seriously uh, in order to help the economy, in order to uh, set some of the, the racial discrimination that's gone on in the past right. And represent the majority of the people that are that are voting them yes. as the as the polls are showing. And you're exactly right. Um, what happened? Uh, there, there, there's an interesting correlation. What happened with the literal liberal government in Canada is is I think you saw a lot younger voters getting out, and maybe people that didn't vote before, but now they heard about cannabis legalization, so that brought them out. Um, it's almost like uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, how it brought people together to come out and vote against somebody who they thought was hurting them. So in Canada, it brought people out to vote in favor of it, and then in the United States, the Black Lives Matter movement brought a lot of people out to vote that were never 
never voting before because they didn't want this president uh, representing them, etc., etc. And I think the same thing would happen with legalization. So it, it worked in Canada, and it and it should work uh, as as the polls are are showing. Okay, speaking of Canada, as we come back here for a little bit, this is a story that really caught my eye uh, when we were discussing things before. And there is a, an Indigenous man in in BC that is saying he can sell cannabis without a BC license. Tell us why. Corey Brewer, owner of Tupas Joint, a member of the Okanagan Indian Band, uh, he's taking a stand, and he's. No stranger to the news out here in the Okanagan. Um, when it comes to Indigenous stores, cannabis laws really across Canada are murky, and that's starting to get a lot more attention. Now, Corey Brewer says that the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, which was adopted by the BC government, means that he doesn't need a BC-issued license to sell cannabis uh, on his First Nations traditional territory. A brewer has three stores. Um, two of them are on Okanagan Indian Band land, and one of them is in downtown Vernon, BC. The Vernon store was raided by the RCMP's Community Safety Unit last June. Um, again, it was quite talked about out here. They seized products and they fined them $100,000. Uh, last week, the CSU asked Brewer's landlord to close that store. The landlord refused. Uh, but Brewer's no longer selling any cannabis products there. Rather, he's displaying them um, to, as he says, educate the, the public about its health benefits. Now, it's he's he says that he's had no problems with his two stores on OKIB land. And uh, he, he said that he's taken it upon himself to step off reserve and to assert Indigenous rights. Um, now, Brewer says that he's been working with the BC Assembly of First Nations and other First Nations across Canada, um, basically to ensure governments will consult them over cannabis legalization. And that's something that um, First Nations across the country say was really blown by um, the federal government, was that they were not appropriately uh, talked to when these laws were first created. And uh, we're really starting to see the consequences of that. There are stores that are open all over the place um, that are on Indigenous land, and nobody seems to know what to do about them. And we've talked about this a, a number of times, Dean, and I don't think that we've ever had our own solutions. Um, I Honestly, I think it's going to end up in the courts, and it's going to be uh, their responsibility to decide how we move forward when it comes to cannabis and Indigenous rights. Well, first of all, there has to be an actual discussion, and, and, and we've documented that before on this segment that there have been uh, invitations sent out uh, to sit down and discuss this uh, within the provincial government and I'm sure the federal government. Um, and, and, you know, the, the stories we talked about at that point, uh, they weren't taking place. This is an interesting situation because there does need to be consultation. But I, I found uh, the one quote in here, I'll just bring it up again, uh, from a Vancouver-based lawyer, uh, Yvonne Guy Laroque, uh, saying that... Um, Indigenous rights to self-determination as stipulated in the UNDRIP are collective rights, not individual rights, as Brewer suggests. So from, from a legal standpoint, I think you're right. I think this is going to end up in, in court and it's going to come down to wording. Yeah, absolutely. It always does come down to the wording, doesn't it? <laughs> um and uh, I mean, how do you move forward right now? Uh, we're we're in a, a time of reconciliation 
and certainly we want to make sure that um, there's nothing injurious happening to um, to indigenous people and their rights. I think that this is a really sticky issue, and uh, and I'm so glad that I'm not the person that's going to be part of making the decisions on this one. Mm -hmm. there, there does need to be discussion and there does need to be an inclusion uh, when it comes to this legal cannabis. So, you know, this that was a major oversight. You know, we can point at a lot of different things that they have done right. And there's a lot of them. And the things that they have done wrong, that that one, in my opinion, is is one of the uh, the bigger uh, oversights. And, and, and you and I, like a lot of people, made the prediction about uh, the state of New York as we dipped up back down into the uh, into the below the 49th parallel and we talk about uh, New York and I like to say it's a New York weed state of mind right now that they have because <laughs> we knew this was going to happen everybody around them had legalized cannabis and they're looking at the numbers so you know this is kind of like the uh, put on my surprise face story that New York State has decided to legalize. <laughs> I don't think New York ever wants to be second to New Jersey in anything. No, no. And with cannabis legalization, that happened. As soon as New Jersey legalized, we knew New York was coming. Um, so lawmakers there in the fourth most populous state reached an agreement over the weekend. So that agreement would expand the state's existing medical cannabis program, setting up licensing and taxation system for recreational sales. Uh, lawmakers are expected to vote on the bill this week. And Democrats in New York have a veto-proof majority in the state legislature. Uh, you know, for those in New York that want to be lighting up tomorrow, you know, take your time. It mm -hmm. could still take 18, 18 months to two years for sales to start. Uh, cannabis is actually now legal recreationally in 14 states uh, and growing. Uh, New York's proposed legislation would allow for uh, recreational sales to adults over the age of 21, uh, set up a licensing process for the delivery of cannabis products. Uh, individual New Yorkers could grow up to three mature and three immature plants for personal consumption. Um, and it, this is an interesting one that local governments could opt out of retail mm -hmm. sales, which is something that we saw happen here in uh, Canada in the province of Ontario. And uh, that has not worked out so well so far. Uh, even even in uh, BC, we have some municipalities that have opted out, and uh, that always seems to create more problems than it alleviates. So the uh, the legislation would take effect immediately if passed, um, but again, sales wouldn't start right away. I love the quote uh, from the uh, Senate sponsor of the bill, uh, Senator Liz Krueger, uh, saying, quote, my goal in carrying this le uh, legislation has always been to end the racially disparate enforcement of marijuana prohibition that has taken such a toll on communities of color across our state and to use the economic windfall of legalization to help heal and repair those same communities. Um, I, I'm not sure that uh, everybody voting for this uh, bill agrees with those in that order. Uh, I think a lot of people are motivated by money and, and whatever, but I'm just glad that that is such a focus because they are doing some uh, pretty impressive stuff uh, when it comes to um, getting rid of records and penalties and, and punishments and, and criminal records that people have had for cannabis use. So they're going to be taking a big, big step forward in that regard. 
Yeah, absolutely. Automatically expunging records for people with past convictions, uh, you know, which is the right way to do it. Um, we've seen trouble with pardons here in Canada, and a lot of people uh, feel that expungement's the way to go. It's amazing to me seeing how much um, of a race, racial divide has existed with cannabis and cannabis enforcement. And that's something I think that's really come out of legalization is it's shined a spotlight on um, the terrible history of policing and enforcement when it comes to uh, to cannabis and people of color. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and the more we can write that ship and give people, you know, in some cases, their lives back, their freedom back. Uh, you know, the the you know, it's just it's just going to. Um, give the whole plant, um, you know, erase even more of that stigma. Everybody thought that this was devil's lettuce and a gateway drug and everything and throw the lock them up and throw away the key. And well, now legalizing this plant is going to give people their life back along with the benefits that we we already know about it. And, and people are going to slowly come around, David. People are going to come around at their own pace. And this next story that we're talking about um, is is not so much about uh, all the information in it, because it is stuff that we are talking about, but more about, from your opinion, where the message is coming from. Yeah, the Toronto Sun seems to be coming on board the cannabis train. Toot toot. Uh, <laughs> it seems that it's taken less than three years to build support in that staunchly conservative media outlet. Um, positive opinions about pot are starting to filter into the Sun Chain's tabloid papers. Um, their film criti critic and general curmudgeon, those are her words, not mine, Liz Braun wrote positively about legal cannabis in one of her latest missives. She says that legal cannabis has been, wait for it, a big success, <laughs> especially in Ontario. Uh, Braun wrote about legal sales catching up with illicit sales, and she even spoke to Matt Lamers, the international editor at Marijuana Business Daily, about pot. Uh, he he told the Sun that you know a constant stream of bad news about big cannabis businesses losing money has led people to think that the industry is struggling, but that is not the case. Uh, the industry is doing quite well, he says. Thank you very much, and that small producers are doing better than the big guys because they are actually more able to adapt to what consumers want. Uh, Sun commentators, the, those, those in the comment threads, uh, reacted generally as expected. A uh, few of my favorite comments were, selling narcotics is supposed to be good news. Uh, just another nail in the coffin for Beijing North under the Trudeau crime family's UN COVID jamboree. And uh, keep everyone stoned and apathetic is part of the plan. So there's still a ways to go in convincing um, some of the uh, more strongly conservative and conspiratorial thinkers that cannabis is a good thing. Uh, but, you know, we are starting to make some headway. Yeah, well, I'm 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 not surprised. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can guess the IQ of most of those uh, commenters when it comes to their knowledge about cannabis. Not their general IQ, but their knowledge uh, when it comes to cannabis is this much because they're showing their ignorance by calling it a narcotic. So, and, and then they're getting yeah. racial and, and things like that. So, you know what? Good. Stay away from cannabis. I do not want those people anywhere near cannabis because they're ignorant, they're racist, and they have no clue about this plant especially when they call it a narcotic. But I love the quote in there about, you know, the bigger cannabis companies 
uh, being in the news and people think it's negative. You just have to look at the sales numbers and a hundred and twenty percent increase. And 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 really, some of the small craft uh, and small growers they're they're kind of holding up the industry right now as some of the bigger players are crumbling. It's been amazing seeing that craft cannabis revolution. Um, you know, and I think those commenters should go out and smoke a couple of joints. Heck, it might mellow them out and uh, perhaps open their mind a little bit to see that uh, that there's more to the plant uh, than maybe they first think. Mm-hmm. Possibly, but it's sometimes hard to open up a steel trap mind that is cl- as close-minded <laughs> as those people uh, seem to be. But you know what? Uh, maybe they'll come around sometime and then they'll tell all their friends they were there from the beginning because they're, they clearly <laughs> can't think for themselves. So thanks as always, David. This has been a lot of fun. Great stories. Great to have you back so I'm not just uh, yelling at clouds uh, by myself. So we'll talk next week. And of course, uh, people can find more information and more great stories stories at okanaganz.com and follow them on twitter at okanaganz thanks as always david always awesome to talk to you dean and follow us on social media at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter, at the Cannabis 101 podcast on Instagram, and at the Canna 101 podcast on Facebook. You can email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com.